Please stand for the reading of the word. Once again, this is Colossians 4, 2 through 6. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. So a little different format, as you heard this morning. This is my second ever interview. My first interview was first service. Um, but if you haven't been around the last couple of weeks, this fall we're talking about living a life of outreach, living a life on mission where we take the inner life that we have with God, what God has done in us, and then we now turn to those around us, our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, family members, and try to serve and love them and share the love that we've received with them. And we're spending the first couple of weeks just talking about some big picture issues. We started two weeks ago looking at Jesus' own example, the mission that he was on while he was here, his heart of compassion for the lost, his bringing grace and truth to those around him. Last week, we talked about our fundamental role that Jesus gives us to be salt and light in the world. We're, we're supposed to look different. We're supposed to taste different than the world, but not so that we would be isolated from the world, but so we might move into the world with that difference and love and bless and serve those around us. Being a, what I said last week, a counterculture, but for the common good. And today we're going to talk about the key role of prayer in outreach. And talking about prayer reminds us that ultimately this mission is God's mission, that it's his work, yeah, we, ne- we never get somewhere that he isn't already there. Um, he's got, he goes before us, and his heart for the world is much bigger than our heart for the world. And so prayer is our way of joining in God's mission, him partnering up with us and us partnering with him. So we're going to spend some time talking about prayer, and not just talking about but hearing stories, just like the one Chuck just shared, but now from a different part of the world, stories of God faithfully answering prayer. Uh, today, we have with us Pastor Adrian DeVizor and his wife, Ophelia, who are now becoming uh, longtime friends of our community. Adrian teaches usually once a year here at Grace, usually, I think, in October is kind of how it works. So there's just a fall Sunday that's always set aside as Adrian's Sunday. And I wanted to do something a little different this week, uh, which is rather than have him preach, actually interview him and ask him some questions. But if you don't know Adrian uh, and his wife, uh, they grew up in Sri Lanka. Uh, Adrian's been a pastor and church planter there for many years now, uh, planting churches in his surrounding area. And now he's doing things in other countries in Asia as well. My wife, Carrie, and I had a chance to go there about seven years ago. This is maybe seven, eight years ago with uh, several other folks who are here today and had two weeks to spend uh, there just seeing how God is at work in another part of the world. And and we were, it was such a beautiful start to our marriage, one of the first couple years of our marriage. And for me, it was such an inspiration and, uh, I said this in first service, but Adrian, uh, more than almost anyone else, has really shaped my understanding of the church's role in the world. 
And I think my default as a pastor is just to think about taking individual people, individual Christians, and trying to disciple them, grow them into maturity, which is really important. But he's expanded my vision that the church is not just here to gather people in and build them up, but the church, church exists for the world. That we are to be, as we talked about last week, salt and light in the world. And he's been this beautiful example to me of what it looks like to be both the grace and the truth of Jesus, and particularly to lead with grace and love and service, and then in that context to communicate the truth of Jesus. So I'm going to invite him up, and we're going to have an interview format here. Would you welcome him, please? So what's fun about this is... um, you may not know this. I'm pretty scripted on Sundays. Um, so second service pretty much goes like first service, and uh, which is great. You can come to either service. You're going to get the same thing, a couple different jokes maybe, but pretty much the same thing. I'm pretty convinced that uh, second service could look completely different than first service, uh, which is the joy of an interview. But let me say thank you for being here. Can I tell them what you told me about the second service? Please. He, he said I can speak much longer. Because you, are so, because you are so patient, and you'll be even willing to stay till about 2 or 3 in the afternoon. So I'm so glad to know that. I also told First Service uh, that uh, he's a very spiritual man. And he, as you can tell, he speaks in a heavenly language that people of the earth, it's hard to understand sometimes. You know, us, us, us earthbound people. So um, if you can't understand everything, it's, it's your fault, uh, not his fault. Let me interpret that into real language now. He basically said, I speak with an Asian accent. But thank you. Um, thanks so much for being here. It's such a joy to have you and to, to try something different today and just uh, interview you. Uh, we, Ophelia and I, we love coming to this church. And there are a few reasons as to why we love coming here. One is the stability of the church. Because not many churches around the world carries that sense of stability. The same people leading the church and the same amount of same people worshiping together because in many churches there's a turnover of staff and individuals and that is not how you do family. A church is a family. I love the worship here. It's not an entertainment of people but it is the worship of God. Because so often in many churches it has become the entertainment of people, and God is on the sidelines. Worship is not meant to entertain people. It's okay to be seeker-sensitive, but worship is worshiping our God. We worship God privately on an individual basis, on a daily basis, and on a Sunday, we come together collectively to worship God. And He is the center. And the songs you sing, I can understand. In some places, I hear the noise, but don't understand what they're saying. I'm very thankful to God and your commitment to Scripture. I know that I can, this is a place that I can come and expound Scripture because you're committed to the Scriptures. For that reason, Ophelia and I are always thrilled to be here. Thanks. 
So first service, we, we went fairly off script. I'm going to share what the script is, and then we might go off script again. But I've asked Adrian to do uh, three things today. Uh, first one that he'll share in a second is just give us a basic biblical theology of prayer as it relates to mission. And then the, the bulk of what I've asked him to do is just share stories over your, your years of ministry of praying, uh, asking God to work in the world around you and seeing God be faithful to answer prayer. And then finally, I have a, there's a prayer challenge that he has for us that I think you will find very relatable. So that's, that's the script that we went way off of first service and may go off of again. But let's start with the script and g- give us, give us a, a, a biblical, your understanding of, of how scripture gives us a framework for prayer, especially in the context of mission and outreach. Well, that's a sermon I preached for about seven hours in Asia. I'm going to use one verse of scripture. I think it will appear on the screen. It's taken from Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 to 12. I'm going to skip certain verses, but I want to emphasize something. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up, bring them up. And again in verse 9, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go, I'm sending you. Isn't that strange? Seven, seven times I have seen the misery of my people. I have heard their cry. I am concerned about their suffering. I have come to rescue them. I expect it, so I will go. But rather, he's saying, I am sending you. It's, to me, this is fascinating. This seems to be a theme in scripture. He wants to do something, but he expects human agents to carry that out on planet Earth. He would, tell jo- he would say, Joshua, go and take the lamb. I'm giving you the lamb. But the land is being given, but God wants us to take the land. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians. As God's fellow workers, the word fellow workers in the original language, it means those who work together. God and I, God and you are working together. And what do we pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Father, you are in heaven, and you, I pray that what happens in heaven will now happen on this earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come, when the kingdom of God comes, it means the authority of God. It means the reign of God. It means the presence of God. To me, Prayer is a mighty instrument, not for getting man's will done in heaven, but for getting God's will done on earth. So I I use the term, I say, touching heaven and changing world. Through prayer, God has called me into a partnership. God has entrusted what happens in the world to me, you and I. And he has empowered us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And through prayer, we connect with the Father and do his will. 
Sometimes, you know, prayer becomes a shopping list. Lord, bless me. Bless my family. Bless my children. He's more than able to bless. But I am a world changer. You are a world changer. God called you for a purpose. And prayer is the medium through which we touch God and change the world. I said in the Lord's Prayer, it says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Now I'm repeating. Thy kingdom come, when the kingdom of God comes, this world, the scripture says, belongs to the God of this world. The God of this world have blinded the eyes of the people. So when the kingdom of God comes, there needs to be a power encounter. So let me now begin to share some stories. One day I was at a, in, in a, one of our churches. I think it's the main church. And middle of the service, suddenly I saw a van park in front. And they were holding a young man. And about 10 to 15 people were just grappling with the guy. And he walks into the church. Just imagine. It's happening now. And they, so everybody's attention is now on what's happening. And then they say, our son is demon-possessed. We were told that if you go to this church, he can be released. And if, if your God can release him, we'll all become Christians. We'll all, the whole village will turn to Christ. Wow, I thought that was a great challenge. <laughs> so I said, okay, let's do it. You know what? When Jesus died on the cross, he not only paid the penalty for our sin, he also broke the powers of darkness. Satan has a limited power now, but he's not in control. We have a greater power and a greater authority because the one who lives in us is greater than the one who lives in the world. So I looked at his face. His face was all burnt. I asked, what happened? Is that I went to our temple, a Hindu temple, and they put an iron in the fire, waited till it became red hot and put it on my face so that the spirit will leave. Poor boy. So just prayed. And he was delivered. Now don't be surprised. That's the authority God has given you. And then I felt that he should not leave immediately. So we kept him two weeks in our church, in one of our homes. We prayed, we taught him to read the Bible and to pray. He goes back two weeks later. He says, as I went back into the house, I could feel the spirit come back for me. It's very scriptural. Because once you cast out, the scripture says, he will go and bring seven other more wicked demons. And he said, but I read the Bible. So he ran into the kitchen, took some ash from the fireplace, came and slept on the ground and marked the cross and said, you will not touch me. He leads the church today. No theological education. Didn't go to seminary. But he leads the church. And the people in the village are turning to Christ. We are in a battle. You know, sometimes we take our eyes, our modern technology. The information that we receive tells us demonic powers don't exist anymore. Read the scriptures. All biblical warning 
about demonic spirits was given to the church and not to the non-church. It was to the church that says Satan is like a roaring lion wanting to devour. It is the church that was said in Ephesians, our battle is not against with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness in high places. So through prayer, we battle these powers of darkness, neutralize it, take authority, and deliver our people from the grips of the evil one. Thank you. So I'm going to stay out of the way in this service, and I, I would want to just give you space to share some stories. Uh, as that, that story was not told in first service, so I told you this would be different, uh, which is so beautiful. Um, so I'm going to just give you space to share some stories, to continue this as, as you just did. And um, just to set a little context for everybody, um, you've been planting churches. You started with one church, and now you're spreading out. A um, couple things that would be helpful to know uh, about him. 2007, there was the huge tsunami that we all heard about, the Boxing Day tsunami. My, my first uh, encounter with Adrian was hearing about stories there. So they, you know, that just devastated the, uh, the eastern coast, was it, of, of Sri Lanka. And that provided amazing context for ministry. Adrian and Ophelia basically put signs up in various, just on trees and stuff that said, if you need help, call this number. And the number was their home number. So tons of ministry. Uh, they started a farm pretty close to their home church that uh, is um, creating some sustainability for the ministry, also houses some orphans there. Uh, He's doing ministry now in other countries in Asia. So just want you to have a context of some of the things he's up to. And whatever God puts on your heart, I'm going to step out this time. I'll I'll try not to interrupt as much as I did first service and just share the stories. And, And the focus is, again, what you just shared. How are you seeing prayer in its role, and seeing God at work in, in answering prayer in the context of his mission in reaching people. It could be your neighbors. It could be people in another country. I hope I will not be thrown out of this church after what I say today. <laughs> Let me start. I, I felt at a point of my life that God called me to reach the unreached those who are outside the kingdom of God. So my ministry is basically working with Buddhists, Muslims, and Hindus. And I would say 95% of our people are all first-generation Christians. So it demands a lot of you know, work, and the main work is prayer. Because people are living in darkness. Paul says this in Acts chapter 26. God appeared to me on the streets of Damascus and he commissioned me to bring people from darkness to light from kingdom of Satan to kingdom of God so it is an encounter it is a battle you know the sad part is when I come to this part of the world you know we have got used to or the theologians have confused us in this aspect of what what God has to say And I come from a very poor country, and I come from a very poor family too. And so, we have to depend on God for practically everything, even for our daily food. So God placed upon my heart that we should establish a campsite 
and i had collected some money over the years put aside 10000 us dollars in a bank and god has laid upon my heart 10 acres and i went round the island looking for 10 acres for 10000 dollars and you just couldn't find it because i was in the island island the land is more expensive than in normal countries so finally i come to this place and i see a deserted land not a single tree i thought wow maybe at least this might be but when i go there the owner says it's 25000 dollars worth i said ah that's gone too and as i try to leave suddenly i heard the voice of the lord i i want you to establish this theologically god speak to us through his word god speak to us through people summons god speak to us through circumstances god speak to us through the nature god also speak to us through his voice audible voice and the voice said tell him that you have only 10000 worth so i turned around to this guy and said you know what my god is tells me to tell you that <laughs> he said pastor that's not my problem that's your problem i said it may be my problem but god wants me to tell you this he said he smiled he knew i tried to, he thought i tried a fast one on the guy <laughs> and i went home quite disappointed well god you told me to do something i did it and now i look a fool in his eyes you didn't strike him with lightning or nothing happened <laughs> Next morning I get a call. He says, "Pastor Adrian, early morning. What did you do to me?" I said, "What? I didn't do anything to you." He said, "No, you have done something." I said, "What? I can't sleep." <laughs> I hear your voice. <laughs> and he says, "God told me to tell this." And I see your face. I can see that can be very frightening. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, "Let me tell you the truth. I can't go on like this." The entire day I was traumatized. He said, I'll give you the land. But can you give me $2,000 more, please? I asked, why is that? He said, I'm in debt for $12,000. We purchased the land and our bank balance went to $120 US dollars. I took my staff because I had been praying with the dream. A campsite, children's homes, widow center. a place that we can raise our own money i took my staff and i explained what the lord will do and they're looking at me wow maybe dev gunlock has given him some money <laughs> no such luck <laughs> and i said no no there is no money but there is faith i said you have prayed with me right we are going to cut a cross on the ground and everyone who has faith will lay a stone and pray that this will be fulfilled today we have a campsite we have two children's homes a campsite that can handle over 500 people to live with accommodations we have built an auditorium that can handle over 3000 people it has become one of the premier campsites it is all through the power of prayer it's touching heaven changing earth let me tell you another funny story soon after the tsunami a guy calls me and said you adrian i want to meet you he happens to be from your country from atlanta georgia i known him sometime 
he suddenly turns up. I see his name is Bill. He said, Bill, what's up? He said, I want to come and see you. He was agitated. I said, okay. He came, he said, you know what? I felt God telling me to build a boy's home in your country. So I said, great. Because that's what we've been praying for. He said, ah, do you want to build a boy's home? I said, Bill, you must be joking. I've been praying for that for a long time. He said, okay. And he gave me a bag. I said, what's in this? 25,000 US dollar notes. I said, build the boy's home. And he left my office. I never saw him again. That is how our God operates. And sometimes we look at God as if he's helpless, out in heaven, wondering what to do next. The biblical view of God, he's seated on the throne. The angels and the archangels surround him and he has called you to make a difference in the world that you live in. We are not helpless. We are world changers through prayer. I've been praying for the 25 grand and it hasn't, it hasn't happened yet. Um, I'll share another story. And I think there's a, you know, a slide on our balcony. This is the, my main church. And that's the, you know, we wanted to build that balcony because we have built many churches now. And once a year we gather all our people together and then we are, we are running out of space even in this building now. And so one day I was in the farm, the treasurer called me and said, Pastor Adrian, we have a big problem. We have no more money. We can't finish the balcony. Uh, we have to call off the work tomorrow. I said, no, don't do that. I said, tomorrow the money will be there. And I thought, ah, what did I do now? <laughs> I got into my car and started driving. For about one and a half hours, I was praying and praying, worshipping. You know, God, just want to see this through. Just want to see this through. It's not for my glory. It's for your glory. And as I come home, I again get the reassuring thought, don't worry, the money will be there. I said, okay, God, I'm going to sleep. But I can't. I'm just human. I have said the money is there. But there is no, no money. No one. Next morning I get up very early. That's my practice. I get up very early about five in the morning to spend time with the Lord. And here I'm spending time. And God says, the money is going to be there today. I said, Lord, really? So I call my bookkeeper. I said, his name is Tony. I said, Tony, you know that the postman arrives by about 10. I want you to be outside at 10 o'clock. <laughs> Strange request. I said, there's going to be a letter. And you'll take the letter and call me. And I said, Lord, what did I do now? Exactly at 10 o'clock, he calls me and said, Pastor Adrian, there's a letter for you. I said, I'm coming. I never driven my car so fast to the office. Just bang. And I opened the letter. And there is a check. And a small letter. I have never met this man even up to now. I have no address to write to him. And he has said, our company did so well, we thought we must share 
some of the prophets with you. And that's how our balcony was built. Our God is on the throne. You know, what has happened is we have moved away from a, a relationship with God that is dynamic. God is alive, right? He rose again. He's on the throne. And in Ephesians, he says, God has lifted us to the heavenlies. We, we have been lifted to the heavenlies. My spirit is in the heavenlies. I talk to God. I touch God. I am in touch with God. And because we are in touch with God, we can bring change in the world that we are living in. We do not believe in a God that is dead. Sometimes, you know, I was asked a question by a person. Is it, you guys see lots of miracles. We do. But I must tell you, the miracles doesn't come because of our spirituality. But it comes because we are desperate people. We have no one to turn to. But God. And God alone. And he answers the cry of his desperate people. Because of our desperation, we have nothing but faith. That God will come through. There are many days that I would wake up in the morning knowing... To this morning, I can't go to my office. So many things are piled up. And I also know through prayer how God brings changes. So I'm going to let you go back to your script. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, let me uh, we have time for maybe one more story or so. Let me, um, you shared a story first service that you may share again about uh, the church meeting under the tree. Okay. Uh, it could be that story, which or or is there any other story as you just think of of your years of ministry where you, you've seen God answer prayer and radically change a life? I mean, you're talking about most of your people are first generation Christians going from a different religion, probably most not coming from atheism, but maybe some. So those are, those are massive changes. So it could be that story or another story of, of praying fervently for someone. I'm thinking of, of, of us as we will leave praying for coworkers and neighbors and friends and, and wanting so much to see God make a change in the person's life. So it could be that story if, or if there's another story that God puts on your heart in, in that vein of, of uh, theme. Is there anything that you want to share with us? Let me share a different story, but a story that might sound like a fiction, but I want to tell you that before God, I'm sharing the truth. And this is what I saw and we experienced, and as a result of that, we have a couple of churches that came out as a result of this event. There was a young boy, his name is Samantha, and he's on my staff now. He has a very large family, and there were sudden deaths taking place in the home. Four deaths. Almost every six months, somebody would die. And it was tragic deaths. 
And so he came for a prayer meeting where I was leading. And he was crying. I said, you know, I have lost four. My mother, my two brothers, and a sister. You, you can just imagine when you have, you know, every, almost every six months, somebody's dying. And so I decided that I should pray for him. And as I started praying, there's another girl on our staff who has been with me through ministry now about 30 years. She started to cry. So I walked up to her and I asked Mala, her name is Mala, some of you know. I said, Mala, what's up? Why are you crying? She said, sobbing, she says, there's going to be more deaths in the family. I said, oh my God, now you, that's what you want me to tell this boy? In the midst of a prayer meeting? So I'm now quite lost, you know. This is not something to be play around. And I ignore her message and I tell the staff again, let's really pray. And as we began to pray, another one of my staffers said, I see a vision. Now it might sound strange, but if you think hearing the voice of the Lord is difficult, strange, read the scriptures. If you think having visions is strange, read Acts chapter 10, Cornelius and Peter. So I asked, what's the scene that you see? He said, I see this boy's house. And I see that house, he's in a two-room house, and in one room, there is a big wardrobe, and under the wardrobe, a curse has been buried to destroy this family. In our part of the world, there are witch doctors who are there to cast a spell to destroy families. Satan has power, but not as power as you and I have. So now I'm lost again. Oh, Lord, my theology is now in a mess. <laughs> uh, this, all of this, I said, okay, what do we do? Again, let's pray. That's all, in sheer desperation. And then I get the idea, okay, Lord, we're going to send a team. We send a team immediately. I couldn't go. I send a team there. I said, Go. They go there and call me and say, Pastor, exactly there are two rooms. There is a wardrobe. I said, move the wardrobe. I said, they are moved. And they said, there is a place that has been disturbed. I said, dig through. And as they dug, there were human skulls. And all kinds of wicked things have been buried to destroy that family. Now remember, in the book of Exodus, there was the power of God through Moses. There were the power of the magicians through the other gods. You remember? And I said, fine, take it out. Pray against it. And bless the home. I'm coming next Sunday. So next, I go next Sunday. I take everything. I crush it under our feet. Pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And baptize all of the rest of the family. Everybody. No more deaths. And we started a church there. Now I share this story with a sense of, you know, look, you know, these people might think, you know, I'm off my head. <laughs> but this is my theology. When you say the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
in heaven there is joy and peace there is when the authority of god comes to this world there are power encounters with the power encounters come deliverances and god is glorified it is a gentleman i want you to know this that the one that is in you if you have if you have made a commitment to jesus christ and you walk with him in fellowship the spirit that is in you is greater than the spirit that is out in the world you know sometimes i hear christians they live in fear of the demons let me tell you this demons live in fear of us as long as i walk in humility and under the blood of christ and with his anointing and in obedience we are more than conquerors god has not given us a spirit of timidity but a spirit of victory and power and self control isn't that our god so when people talk about no miracles i said come on let's go back to scripture now i'm i'm i hope you recognize that i'm very committed to scripture i will never say or preach anything that scripture contradicts but i believe my god is alive mohammed is dead buddha is dead the hindu gods are dead only my god is alive and he's here among us he's with us his spirit is here isn't that what we believe you know isn't isn't it strange that we believe something and live in contradiction of that if god is here this is his sanctuary if two or three are gathered i'm not quoting the vedas or the buddhist scriptures if two or three are gathered here he's here with us isn't is that true if that is true ladies and gentlemen sunday services must be a place of absolute worship not a place of entertainment a place where we get commissioned to go to the world and be the world changers you know i come from a small country before the challenge now i always prayed god i want to play a role in asia i come from a very small country tiny and i come from a very poor family i didn't have all the connections but i had a simple prayer lord let me be used not only in my nation but in asia we have established asian access in 20 countries and i went to every single country and i started it in china in in india in all of these asian countries you know what y'all sang a beautiful song i was so thrilled it's not what you earn it's not your status it is home to you belong to you belong to the one and only god he's your father he's your protector he's your provider why live with fear trembling we are more than conquerors i want to leave a legacy a legacy that says through christ it is possible through christ it is possible it is possible you need to go and change this nation we need to win this back country back to the lord there was a time that you send missionaries to all parts of the world 
some of your leaders met with us and they said, the time has come for you guys to send us missionaries. But you can change that. You can change that. We need to reclaim our families. You remember in the book of Genesis, the first place that Satan attacked was the family. He set up Cain and Abel. And the family was gone. Isn't that what Satan is doing in the western part of the world? He's setting it up. Families are disintegrating. Dysfunctional families create dysfunctional children. Dysfunctional children get into trouble. And we're trying to save them. It's the church. It's not the government. The presidents come and the presidents go. But the church is the one that changes society. That's you. That's you. So here is a strategy that I just want to leave with you. You know, all of us, you know, we know we need to share Christ with people. Right? We know that. But sometimes we don't do that. So I felt I must tell our people a simple way to do this. I told them, every family, would you take one family on from your neighborhood and pray for that family 30 days? Simple, you understood that? My Asian <laughs> accent didn't provide. Okay, you understood. That will be my excuse if I don't do it. I just couldn't understand it. <laughs> I always knew that. Okay, you take on one family and you pray for that family. And you invite that family to your home. Come and join us for dinner. You can do that, right? You can say it's your birthday, but don't tell a lie. But just, you know, bring them to your home. And this is what I do. We bring them to our home and entertain them very well, take care of them, bless them. And then just before dinner, I will say, you know I'm a Christian. Is it okay if I pray before the food? Nobody's going to kill me for that. It's my food. <laughs> and then just before praying, I said, would you want me to pray for your children? Can you imagine a mom saying, don't pray for my children? Oh, they get so excited. Oh, yes, please. Please do. And they'll give me more information as to why I should be praying for the children. <laughs> I said, oh, no problem. Let's pray. So I pray for the son, pray for the daughter. I pray for the husband. I pray for them. I say, Lord, bless this family. Lord, I want to see this child prosper in his studies. Do I have the right to ask that? Yes. Lord, Bless this family. Give them peace and harmony. Give them joy. You know what happens next? They come back to you over and over again asking for prayer. Isn't it a simple strategy? Ophelia is just finishing a book on hospitality. Taking all of this. But I've been talking about these things. Because through, in the biblical sense, the Old Testament and New Testament... Hospitality was the main source through which the gospel was shared. We, the, we became too smarter than the people in the Old Testament and the New Testament and we created strategies that really don't work. That really don't work. Let's go back to the scriptures. Hospitality. If every single person, let's say 300 pe families here, I don't think so, 300 families, if you invite 300 families, your church can double itself very soon. Because God answers prayer. The prayers of a faithful person, God answers. 
And in my culture, I also tell the husbands, you better behave well in your homes because God is not going to answer your prayer if you don't treat your wife with dignity and respect. You want me to give you the verse for that? Read 1 Peter. <laughs> Multiple ways you touch heaven and change earth. Ladies and gentlemen, it's such a joy always to be here with you. It's been a joy to work with Dave and Kerry and the kids that I love so much. And I must tell you with all sincerity, I love this church. Because you want to please God and do that which is right. And we'll be praying with you. I want, my prayer has always been that this church will become a light to the nations and to your nation. Because you are called by God. You are sons and daughters. You are a son. You are a daughter. Maybe you have some difficulties in life, but remember this. You know, when we look at the story of David and Goliath, I want you to look at it differently today. Goliath was needed in David's life for him to be the king. Without Goliath, David would never have attracted the attention of Saul. In God's divine economy, Goliath was needed for David to be the king. And in God's economy, some of the problems you go through is necessary for a breakthrough in your life. May God bless you. May his face shine upon you. May the presence of God, the Shekinah glory of God rest on you. God bless you. Yes. Thank you so much. So good to hear you. And um, I appreciate the, the challenge. You know, I think sometimes we hear these stories and some of them are so dramatic. It feels like, gosh, I'll never, that'll never happen. But every single one of us can pray for a family and every single one of us can invite a family into our homes and bless them and love them. So that's our challenge for the month. Uh, I, w- I encourage you to go to uh, our website this week. Um, we ha- all our sermons are there, and we have a set of discussion, discussion questions there, uh, and home groups will be going through that. But if you're not in a home group, we also have another challenge for you this week, which is to do a prayer walk. Um, just as literally walk around your neighborhood, just in a discreet way, just praying that God would open your eyes to the needs of the neighborhood, pray for the people you know on your street, and maybe in that time, he identifies the family that you want to commit to pray for for the month. So I want to do that. Would you mind, would you just pray? I know you kind of just did, but will you officially pray for us, um, and then we'll sing some songs. I want you to know that you and I are now talking to our Father, the one who loves was willing to give his son to die, who cares for us. Father, we bow before you. We acknowledge you as God. We also acknowledge you as our father. The one who loves us, one who was willing to sacrifice your only begotten son. And thank you, Father, that you have given us this privilege of representing you on this earth. It's our job to change the world. And I pray, Lord, as I have shared with these brothers and sisters, that you will now empower them with the presence of God, that the Shekinah glory of God will rest, 
and lord they will walk with you in amazing way and change this nation for it might sound impossible but i pray today that you will empower this church to be a blessing to this nation and to the nations around use us we are available for your glory bless them lord not let not anyone go home troubled but i pray that you would release them from all pain distractions lord i pray for healing may healing take place today may you give peace joy and happiness in jesus name amen